And I'm going to read this from the ESV, um, although I didn't study from it, but we'll read it from there for <laughs> I think that's the version pastor uses. So it says, Blessed is the man who walks in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaves do not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like shaft that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray before we enter in. Father God, we need you. I need you. I need you more than anything else in this world. Holy Spirit, that you would use me as your tool this morning, as an instrument to speak to our lives, to change things, to mold us in the shape us more into your image. We thank you for this opportunity that we could come together to learn about you and through your word. Help us this morning. We open up our hearts, open up our ears and our eyes to see and hear you clearly through the word. It's in your name that we pray. Amen and amen. So the first thing, uh, first off, when I saw this, I was like, this is a very short chapter, Pastor. What do you want me to talk about? Man, but I was showing the guys earlier, I was like, I got, like, started writing and, and God just started doing other things and it revealed so many different things in my life um, and just helping me to, to organize myself in certain, in certain aspects. So we start off the first chapter right away, it says, blessed is the man. Right there, you just want to stop. Blessed is the man. And then this chapter, obviously, we know when they talk about man, they're talking about men and women. But for this, we're just going to stick with the man, all right? Uh, we'll focus on that. Blessed is the man. And so the first thing I thought about, well, let's continue. That, that word phrase, I want that in my life. I want to be that blessed man. I want people to notice that the favor of God is upon my life. And that is how, because when that happens, people always, I don't know if this happens to you, but people have come up to me or sometimes said, hey, there's something different about you. Or you're not like a normal person, or you don't act the way other people do. What is it that separates you from these things? And I think that is the blessing of God upon your life. And so that's what that part, that blessed is the man, that's where that comes from. So in this first verse, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So let me tell you this story. Like two or three years ago, Amy and I, my wife Amy, uh, we uh, went out to Michigan, and we were, it was just us. We were in a late night Target run, and we were just going to pick up some stuff. We were on our anniversary. And we walked into this Target, and this guy was like, we were in the elect electronics section, and we're walking through to get to groceries, and this guy was like, hey, need a new cell phone? And I was like, uh, no, man, I, I'm not interested. And, and, and we keep walking. He's like, I can lower your, how much do you pay a month? And I was like, look at, I, I pay really good. I pay 150 a month, so you can't beat that. He's like, how about if I tell you I can match that and get you new phones? And I was like, wait a minute. And so Amy was like, you should ask, you should ask. And I was like, nah, I'm not, don't worry about it. So I was like, well, tell me a little bit about it. So he started talking, and then I got more and more involved in this conversation. <laughs> and I was like, why don't you go shop, and I'll just stay here and listen to this guy. Um, so Amy left, and he kept going, and he was telling me all this stuff. And so I got totally, completely sucked in. And as I was telling him my plan and getting everything done, I don't know how many of us have fallen through this trap, but I did. Uh, 
and I was going through this, and the guy was very convincing, nice young guy, had a good attitude about everything. You know, we were, we were working back and forth. It was fun. Amy comes back, and I was like, hey, we got four new phones. <laughs> she was like, what happened? Uh, and I was like, oh, well, let me tell you what happened. Um, so long story short, it's like I got sucked in. It's, I, I couldn't have, if I would have just kept walking and not listening to what he had to say, I probably wouldn't have ended up changing our plan that we had for nine years or something like that with Verizon and, and switching over to AT&T, which was a big mistake. Big mistake. <clears throat> I know. All, got, all because of four phones. Um, but all of that just, it, it, it reminded me of this first, and not, not that I'm saying salesmen are this way. But it reminded me of that idea that as soon as I heard him, and as soon as I, I, I heard him say something, if I would have kept going, and like I normally do, and be like, no, thank you, I don't need that right now, and just keep going, I would not have been sucked into the idea of, hey, I could save you money, you know, like, I, and that's the first thing I thought of. I was like, well, you know, everybody wants to save money and get new, something out of it. So as I started this conversation with him, and I stood there, and I was listening, uh, he kept more and more involved, um, and then, you know, sent Amy off, and that was my, she was my counsel telling me not to do it, and I sent her away, and that's how it all happened. If she would have stayed with me, I probably would have been still with Verizon. Um, but I ended up getting sucked into all of this. And the first verse just reminded me so much of that. I was already at a good plan. I already had a good thing going for myself. Didn't want to change. Didn't have any idea. But because I allowed myself to be pulled into this conversation with this guy, I ended up changing my mind on what I really wanted to do. And I ended up sitting down with him and signing a contract and doing all this stuff with him. And I was like, what just happened in the last 30 minutes? Like, it was a complete... I just changed my whole life pretty much, like 30 minutes. Um, and it was just such a fast deal, right? Like, and then I look back and I was like, man, I were driving back and I was like, that was, that was dumb. Like, I didn't even expect that going into this. I just went for milk and like some snacks or something. And I ended up with a new phone plan and, you know, stuff coming to the house. It was just a mess. But we find ourselves in this position anyways. We are blessed men, right? But when we find ourselves in the position that we get uh, entangled by the things of this world. We hear all these things in this world and we allow ourselves to get sucked into that. And then we stand and we're thinking about it. We're like, yeah, as any normal man, we're like, okay, yeah, let's just talk about it a little bit. Let's analyze this for a moment. And then as we continue to talk and we continue to conver- uh, have this conversation with somebody, then we, we, we take a seat and we're like, okay, tell me a little bit more. And we're, we're getting more and more involved into it. This is where things happen and where things change. There's a lot of people, and I could say, I work on a college campus, and I, ha- I deal with a lot of young men who tell me all the time, I can handle it. I got this. And I'm like, no, you don't. I was like, I'm a 41-year-old man, and I do not handle any of that. I cannot get it. I don't. And I know where my temptation lies, and I know where, where I know I need to draw lines and boundaries. So if you're going to tell me you're okay with being in that position, I'm going to tell you I'm not a greater man than you are then. You're better than me. I'm giving you advice and telling you, don't put yourself there in that position. There's so many times where we come into this position and we allow ourselves to get sucked into this. And we're like, I can handle it. I'm mad enough. I know when to stop. I know when to say that conversation's over. Or I know when I can't do this. But we continue to keep pushing that line further and further and further. And then reasoning takes over and things happen within our lives that we didn't want. We look back and we're like, why did I let this happen? I thought I was stronger than this. What happened to this blessed man that I was? Or say that I am. 
So it goes on right after that, and we'll come back to those three, the, that different topic again. But it goes into verse 2. And in this first kind of section of the, it talks uh, in the first three verses of this, book, of this chapter, it talks about the character of a godly man. So giving us characteristics. And so if you don't know what a godly man looks like, these are a good place to start. So it gives us the characteristics. And it starts in verse 2. It says, but he delights in the law of the Lord, and on the law he meditates day and night. So first off, it tells us, blessed is the man who walks not. So it's telling, you, we're telling you what not to do. If you're a blessed man, then you're not going to sit at the council or, uh, or walk in the council of the wicked. You're a blessed man who does not stand in the way of sinners. You're a blessed man if you don't sit at the seat of scoffers. Okay? This is what he's telling us. So let's think about the opposite. If I'm walking with somebody who's good, if I'm sitting at the table of the righteous, if I'm sitting with somebody or if I'm standing with somebody who's righteous and I'm sitting at the table with somebody who's gracious, that'd be, that would be me being a blessed man. That would be me uh, establishing that characteristic of a godly man. Verse 2, those that remain true to his instruction, delight. We think about the word delight. We think about anything that makes us happy. Think about ourselves getting involved and we're just excited about being there. That word delight means it means to, uh, to meditate on, to be involved with. It means to stay there. It means to take time. And in some form or shape, it should also mean repentance. Because if we're delighting ourselves in the Lord, it should take, it's a, be an opportunity where you can uncover yourself before God. It means that you could come before him and you could be completely um, undressed before him in all of your manliness and all of the things that you think you know how to do. We could come before the Lord at that point and just take off that idea of trying to be we're talking about this machismo. And we could put that before the Lord, and at that point we could say, okay, God, here I am. If I delight myself in the Lord, it's a moment where you can spend time with God. It's a moment where you can understand who God is and let, allow him to share his life with you. Those are moments of repentance. Those are moments where you sit before the Lord and he starts to point out those things in your life where they're like, hey, this is not going too well. Hey, this is something I want you to continue to strive after to be. You know this conversation of that person and you felt that tug in your heart? Go after that. Those are those moments in the presence of God where you're delighting yourself with him that he starts to speak with you and he starts to share with you. That's where you need to stay. That's where you need to take time in. That's where you need understand and that's where the word of God becomes life to you. Because at that point, the, the word that God shares with you in those moments, nobody can take that away from you. Because it's personal. It becomes between you and him. So it says day and night. So even in the daytime when, the, when the, it's lighthearted and things are easy and everything's going and there's, you're not scared or nothing's happening, that's when you meditate on, the, on, the, on his law, his instruction, his word. And in the nighttime when things are dark, when you feel like you're, you're being boxed in, when you feel like I'm confused, I don't understand, this is where you go to meditate on the day, on the word of God. This is where you go and remember the things that he spoke to you in that quiet place. The time that you delighted in him, this is where you bring that back out in your notes. He said, I remember when God told me this. I remember when I was studying in the word and he spoke to me and he showed me this in the word. I'm going to stand upon that today. I'm going to make that my foundation so I will not be moved by any other thing. Verse 3, it says, he is like a tree, it says, planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in the season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. 
He's like a tree. And there's so many connections to different things within the Bible with trees. But the first thing that I, and the first thing I thought about is even in the, dark, in the hardest times, if, if you've ever seen the pictures or videos of hurricanes or any kind of storms, um, my family uh, is from Puerto Rico. And so my, that's my heritage. And so the first thing we, you know, always focused on that. And anytime you see the videos in Puerto Rico, those palm trees, man, do they get shifted back and forth in this hurricanes. They might lose some leaves and they might be disheveled afterwards, but you never, you hardly ever see the palm trees get picked up and lifted away. One thing that happens when a palm tree is it just bends and it goes with it, but it comes right back up. And so the first thing I thought about as I was reading this is if we are like those trees planted by streams of water, we're going to be in tough times. We're going to be through, go through things. But if we are like that palm tree in any season where it just bends but doesn't break, we're going to come right back up. And we think about any tree. I had this huge tree in front of my house. And last week I had an issue with sewage and plumbing, and it was just a mess. But this tree, Orlando and I were like, he was like, come, come with me. And I was like, what do you want to do, dude? And he's like, come hug the tree with me. I was like, dude, we're going to look like a bunch of weirdos in the front yard. And he's like, I just want to see how big it is. And we couldn't, both of us, trying to hug this tree, and we didn't touch hands. That's how big this tree is um, in front of my house. But if you think about how large that tree is, how many years did it take for those roots to grow that deep? And, any, and what, I've, what I've been told is however tall the tree is, that's how deep the roots grow. So if we're planted in the streams, if we're planted in the word of God, if we're planted by the, li- the streams of living water, allow your roots to grow within that. A tree is not easily picked up by its roots and just moved. Many times I've, I've heard that. It's like you don't just see a tree just say, hey, I, I don't like the condition I'm in right now. I'm just going to pick myself up and move to a different spot. Where a tree's planted, it's stable there. It grows roots. And many times if you try to take it out, it dies. In the midst of whatever's happening, and those storms in Puerto Rico, and those storms in the islands, those palm trees don't get up and move their roots. They just bend with what comes with it. And they deal with the weather around them. In the good and in the bad. The second part or the middle part of this verse is kind of the, the description of the sinful man or the wicked man, we could call them. And verses 4 and 5 deal with that and the understanding of what the wicked man uh, a little bit of just their characteristics. And it talks about in verse 4, it says the wicked are not so. They're not going to prosper. But they're like shaft and the wind drives away. Verse 5, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation. But we're going to take it back to verse 1 where it compares the blessed man. It says don't do these things. And it gives us three different examples in there of uh, kind of different wicked men. The first one is the ungodly. The ungodly man is the, the, the man who casts off all fear of God. And we know that the fear of God is not the boogeyman or I'm scared of him, but the fear of God is that honor and reverence that we have towards God. That's what it's talking about. So the ungodly man is the one who says, I don't have that honor for God anymore. I do as I please. They're the ones living in neglect of the word. They know the word, but they continue not to follow after it. That's an ungodly characteristic. The next one, it says, is in standing in the way of sinners. Sinners, sinners are people who, um, their service of God or to God at one point, they just lay it aside. They're no longer in any way serving God. 
They openly are open to rebellion against God. These are the kind of people now that like, hey, they take to social media and they're like completely change their lifestyle. And they're like, I no longer deal with it. And you're like, wow, that's a big change. Or they openly do certain things that they didn't do before. Those are the sinners that we're talking about. And that third person, is the, it says, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Scoffers are those people who have hardened their hearts already to the point where it leads them to, they are just totally against everything you want to talk about with God. They're like, I don't want to hear anything. I don't have to know anything about it. How many people know a couple of these characteristics already, right? Yeah, as I was reading this, I was like, I know people who are in these categories that have been to the church who have loved God and have stepped away and fallen away. So we, we read or, or we see a little bit of this, the wicked characteristics. And this is telling us, blessed is the man who does not get involved in these things. So if we hear the characteristics of the wicked, let's make sure that we don't walk in those things. Let's make sure that we are protecting ourselves or covering ourselves from being involved in those things. And some people, like, the guys that I hang out with in the dorms will be like, hey, I can do it. If Jesus can do it, I can do it. He was with tax collectors, and he sat with prostitutes. I was like, well, when one day you could be crucified and come back to life, then you could tell me you're good enough to do those things. But until then, I know that I know my limitations, and I know how far I can go. So I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I know that I'm going to either fall or be spoken about or my testimony becomes garbage to somebody else because of it. So we learn a little bit about the characteristic of the wicked in verses 4 and 5, and then we go down to verse 6 where kind of Jesus or the, um, it sums up everything for us. And it talks a little bit about the, the reasons for both scenarios. For it says, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The cool thing about all of this is when I saw this is that the Lord knows these things. He knows where we're at. And my, one of my favorite verses that I hold on to um, is the verses, his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He knows those things already for us. So if we're walking in his way, uh, he's asking us to take these steps to continue to move forward. And one of the things that I learned in that verse is as long as if it's in a dark area, as long as we have a light, the light is only going to show us however many feet in front of us. But if we continue to move forward, that light extends itself as we move forward. His word is that light for us. And because we don't see past the, that, that light, everybody gets, I'm just going to stop here. I'm, I'm afraid of what's out there. But if we hold on to his word and we continue to use that as our foundation, as we continue to walk towards what he has told us in our quiet times and our delight times with him, then we can continue to move forward. Even though it looks dark out there, I know that I have his word with me and that is my lamp unto my feet. I'm not going to stumble or I'm not going to move because as long as I keep walking with him, and use him as my guide, I'm not going to fall. His word is the lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. If I continue to move forward, he will continue to illuminate those things for me so that I can move forward in my, in where I need to go. And so Jesus knows these things. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. And he also knows the way of the wicked. And sometimes we look at the wicked and we see that they're prospering. or We feel like they're, they're getting ahead in life. But as we even notice, some of these people are so lost on the inside. And the Proverbs tells us, if you read your Proverbs daily, or, or Proverbs of the day is what I taught my guys, that we know that there are people who are, don't have peace. 
There are people who are living in a life, they might have money or wealth or riches or things around them, but they have no stability in their life. They're in misery. And that's that counter thing that that's why people can say, there's something different about you. You don't have it all together. Or you don't have a lot. Or how come in the midst of trials or death or or things happening and you still have a joy about you? What makes you different than anybody else? And this is where we come back to that whole idea. This is because of my relationship with God. If it wasn't for him, I don't know where I would be. If it wasn't for that time I spent with him, I don't know where I would be. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. We take this and we could refer uh, or think about this and we just point to Jesus at this point in this. In chapter 7 of uh, the book of John, Jesus refers to himself as the streams of living water. He says, anybody who's thirsty, come and drink from me. And he said, anybody who believes out of their heart, this living water will flow. We take that back and we go into this verse 3 where it talks about the tree that is planted by the streams of waters. If Jesus is our living water, why wouldn't we plant ourselves in him, with him, by him, around him, make him everything we need? Because the blessing here in verse 3 that gives us is as anything that, that we're planted by these streams, they yield fruits in its season, and its leaves do not wither, and all that he does is prospers. That's a promise. Those are the blessings of God in that. If we plant ourselves in Jesus, that thirst part means that in the verse in uh, John chapter 7, that thirst part means that if we are submitting ourselves to his guidance. I'm thirsty for more of him. I want to know more about him. I want to understand who he is. We are submitting ourselves to the guidance of the word and making him something that is familiar to us. So the word of God becomes a familiar thing. Why? Because we spent time in it. Because we're understanding it. We're taking time to read it. We're taking time to ask questions. We're taking time to share this verse with another brother and say, hey, can, this is what I'm reading today. This is what I got out of it. What about you? What do you see in this verse? How can you help me to walk in this verse today? How can I use this to change my life? This is that idea of delighting ourselves in the word of God. This is where that comes. Delighting in the law that changes from the inside. And then it becomes something that is external on the outside. Delight is not a, a, a something that you do most of the time in front of people. It's usually in your quiet time. It's usually between you and God. Nobody sees that. Those are the moments where, man, I don't know about you, but I ugly cry sometimes. And, like, it's between me and him, and I fight, and, 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 I, uncover, and I just do whatever I need to do because I need to talk to my Savior. I need to talk to somebody. I need to talk to the creator, the person who made me. Be like, hey, you made me this way. So you have the answer to take care of the things that I'm dealing with. Sometimes I, I don't know about you, I don't share all those things with my wife. She just, for me, it's obviously we're made totally different in some ways. Not some ways, a lot of ways. And so there are things that we deal with as men that they don't understand or they can't seem to grasp, but God does. And that's why we can find counsel or we can find uh, a safe place within the congregation of men because we can share those loads with other people and be able to talk about that and somebody can share that with you as well 
But when I go before the Lord and I understand him and I address him as my creator and I address him as the architect of my life and I address him as the one who, who knew me before I was born and I come to him with that attitude, man, I just lay everything down. There's no holding back at that point. Somebody told me this and I, and I understand that God can handle it. He can handle your, he can handle you. He can handle you. Oh, God doesn't, no, he understands. His hand is not cut too short. He understands. Every situation you've been in, he knows. He's been there, done that. Jesus got a t-shirt already. It says, I did it for you. Delighting ourselves in that moment. You know how free it is to get up out from that place and be able to walk in just total, like, burdenless. The weight is gone. And it might not be physically because that thing is still there in your life or the situation. or the, But in my mind, the spirit, I've handed it over to God. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Cast your cares upon me. So it might not be completely done or over with, but I have cast my cares, my worries, my anxiety. I've given it over to him. And I said, you know what? You brought this. This is a situation that I know you can handle. So I'm giving you the heaviness of it, and I'm going to walk in your instruction to, full, to get through this or to fulfill it. So blessed is the man. Blessed is the man who plants himself in the living streams of water, which is Jesus. Blessed is the man who doesn't sit or walks or stands or sits in the, the, the counsel of the wicked. Blessed is the man who delights himself in the Lord. That means enjoying the moments in front of you. That means like even this time, taking advantage of this time. If we delight ourselves in the Lord, we become those blessed men. And then that's when people start asking. That's when people start saying, like, I don't have it all together, but I do know one thing. I've placed my life in the hands of Jesus. I'm sticking close to his word, and every day he shows me something new. Every day he shows me how to be a better man. Every day he shows me how to be a better husband. I never claim to have everything all together, never claim to be that perfect person. But one thing I do know is there a place that I can go to that I can look to strive to be that, who that perfect person is, and I could run to him at any time in my life and ask him to, be, to show me, to direct me, to guide me. We need to be humble enough to recognize that we need him. We need to be humble enough to come before him during that time. None of this is going to work. You want to be that blessed man? That blessed man is the one who literally transplants himself and puts himself in the streams of living water. You want to grow? You have to stay connected to him. You can't leave the potter's wheel. If you want him to mold you and to shape you into the image of Christ, that means being broken. That means allowing him to shape you continually. Something like that doesn't happen overnight. When I was teaching in youth group, many times I would teach in regards to, everybody knows what's a sumo wrestler, right? Sumo wrestlers are reached seven, 800 pounds. When one of the books I was reading um, I can't remember the one. 
we, they had that example of, of that, and, it was, and I kept referring that back to them so that they could understand, is that if a sumo wrestler decides to lose weight, it's a process from losing seven to 800 pounds, even if, you know, it's going to be a year, two years before you actually like, wow, hey, this guy lost a lot of weight. In our lives, this change that God is doing within you, it's going to be a process. You went from 10, 15 years of doing your own thing to then, you know, just recently coming to know the Lord two years, three years, and you expect everything to change instantly. Not that he can't do it because he can but for those that it takes a little bit longer, it's okay. Don't leave the potter's wheel. The blessings are coming. It says in the seasons. One of the things I thought is like there's a season for your, what God is doing for you. And you might not see fruits completely yet, but it will come. And in that, uh, the book in the Bible, I think it's Matthew chapter, and uh, no. The story where Jesus is talking to the, the give the parable of the garden and he comes out and the fig tree is not, not producing fruit. It's been two years and, the, and he says, cut it down. And the, the yard keeper, the tender was like, no, Jesus, let's give it one more year. And I'm going to dig around it. I'm going to dig a trench and we're going we're gonna to cultivate so they can grow. I feel like Jesus does that a lot with us. We're going to do this again. But it's going to take some digging. It's going to take some, an extra work to get this, the, the fruit to grow. Allow Jesus to do that within your life. Allow him to work within that in your life. A blessed man and a wicked man are distinguished by what they delight themselves in. People will know who you are by your fruits. People will know where you stand in your relationship with God by the things that you're doing. Now, Jesus was criticized for being with the prostitutes and the, and the drunks and everything, but he knew how much he, he knew he, was, he could handle that. I know in my situation, I can't. So I'm never going to put myself in that position. Some of us need to learn that point of this is where I don't go further. Some of us today need to make that line and say this is where I shouldn't go any further. As men within this church, in this time, in this season, of, in this world, there needs to be a point of that in our lives. You need to make that determination. You need to make that distinction. It's time to level up. It's time to start thinking about what can I do to become more and more like Christ. And using this chapter... Very simple chapter, but so much that you can think about, so much that can be pulled out of it that helps us to understand a little bit more about what God is calling us to be like as godly men, holy men who are delighting in his word. So God, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share. I thank you for, for your word. Your word that corrects us, your word that guides us, your word that opens us up to see where we lack, your word that brings us hope. Lord, that you would give us a hunger and a desire for more of you in reading your word and getting to know you more. 
the things that we need in order to correct our lives, the things that we need in order to be a better man is found in the word of God. It's found in the counsel of the, the godly and the gracious and those who are righteous. Help us, Lord, to turn away from those things that are not guiding us and directing us in the right paths to cut off whatever actions need to be cut off, friendships, communication, certain things, and help us to take up and pick up these new actions that lead us towards you. That we would allow Jesus, the, the streams of living water, to give us strength, to correct those things that are going wrong, to teach us to repent and ask for forgiveness and make things right. So Lord, we pray that as we leave this place, that your word would minister to us and we continue to work within our lives. We thank you for this opportunity for the, to come together as brothers and worship you during this time. Help us, Lord, every day. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.